Welcome to the Financing Enterprise podcast series. On our show, we talk about everything startup. It could be anything from challenges the business is facing to an entrepreneurial journey to talking about growth in a business. Anything startup, we talk about it. Anything business, we talk about it. Informal chit chat will hopefully train you along the way and make you a positive, successful business person. Later. Welcome to the Financing Enterprise Podcast. Hope everything is good with everybody today. Um, today we're going to have a bit of practical chit chat about everything startup. Basically the ins, the outs, the hustle, success, failures, journey, challenges, opportunities. You get my point. The aim is to empower you entrepreneurs and future entrepreneurs to keep going. Kind of just knowing that you're not alone in, in starting up your business or moving along in your business. Today, actually, we've got quite an exciting chat that I'm, I'm really looking forward to learning more about. We're going to talk about mindset. Um, the phrase mind over matter comes to, me, comes to mind for me when talking about mindset, um, or I guess even the Headspace app and meditation, although I don't think that's mindset related, but hey, I'm not an expert. I think it's best to leave that my, what mindset is up to our special guest today, Ian Kay. Um, and Ian is basically an expert in NLP, and he can tell us the ins and outs of NLP and how it applies to business. Thank you for joining us today, Ian. Um, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your background before we get started? Ah, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it'd be a pleasure. Um, so my background actually is uh, as, as an accountant. I originally trained many years ago with what we call one of the big four firm of accountants. It feels like a, a very long time ago. I first trained from 1990. Worked okay. in industry as an accountant, so I had a role with a particular company for five years. The last two years, I was a regional accountant for Northern Europe based out of Hamburg. Came back to the UK to do an MBA and then did off, uh, ongoing consulting at either very large businesses or also the other extreme in startups and um, uh, smaller businesses. And that transpires today on the financing side of my of the hats that I wear. Um, is that I'm CFO, uh, Chief Finance Officer of a medtech startup. Um, and we're going through some of the aspects that many of your listeners will be going through, which is, you know, you've got your first product, you're trying to bring it to market, looking for finance to do that, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very lucky in that I work with some very senior people in the field that we're in. Our first market will be fertility, and um, there really are a couple of the board members are heavy hitters in that industry. And so on the other aspect that I'm also doing is on the coaching and training side of things. So you're right, I've, I've had a, a deep interest in NLP. It goes back actually a long way. It goes back to I first went on an introductory course in around 2001 and subsequently read numerous books. But it was only in 2014, so the last five years, I've taken it very seriously and have um, doubly qualified as a trainer. So there are three founders of NLP and I've trained with two of them to trainer level. Um, yeah, you, you can study NLP, you can study it in many ways, just doing an introduction or reading it privately or videos on YouTube, but there are the more formal ways you can become a practitioner, then a master practitioner, then a trainer. And so, um, yeah, for the last five years, I've, I've studied that and other related topics around coaching quite a lot. 
Thanks for sharing that, Ian. Obviously, you've, you've learned about um, NLP a while back. You kind of kept it out the back of your mind, so to speak. And now, now you're actually focusing on it and, and helping people um, with NLP. So, like I said, I don't know much about NLP. Um, and I don't think many of our listeners do, although they might. And if they don't, they're about to know now. Um, can you give our <laughs> listeners... Yeah. <laughs> um, can you give our listeners an, an introduction to NLP and, and where it started? Yes, and, with pleasure. And actually, I think NLP gets uh, a certain amount of coverage. It's obviously a global thing now. It stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I think what sometimes, maybe even often, gets forgotten are the foundations of it. And I, I stress the foundations of it because it it indicates for to us why it's so good at dealing with one-to-one, with coaching, with understanding if somebody's uh, got elements that are holding them back. So let's go back to the early 1970s. You had two students at a university in, I believe it was California, and they started to copy and get very good results copying the work of somebody called Fritz Perls. Now, Fritz Perls was the leading light in something called Gestalt Therapy, and they started to see his work and copy it and got similar results. And a new professor joined the university. This is, as I say, back in the early 1970s. And that new professor was called John Grinder. And he was an expert in something called transformational grammar. He's a linguist. He speaks something like nine languages. Um, by the by, he's also ex-Special Forces USA. Uh, really remarkable guy, immensely intelligent. He sort of stands shoulder to shoulder with Noam Chomsky, in case you or any of your listeners have heard of him. And Noam Chomsky is now very political, and um, but was also an absolute expert in linguistics. Uh, so John was asked to come and look at what these two students were doing. And the, the two guys that were working together were Frank Puzelik and Richard Bandler. Um, and asked him, as the new professor, to come and see what they were doing and the results they were getting. And that led on to they all started to work together. Um, I think in the end, after just a not too long a process, I don't recall the number of years, but it mainly focused around um, Richard and John working together. And that's why, although there are three founders of NLP, sometimes often, or sometimes or often, I'm not sure which, um, people talk about there being two founders of NLP, being John Grinder and Richard Bandler. Actually, it was the three of them, including... Frank Puzelik. And so they took this first experience of copying the results of Fritz Perls, and actually they duplicated it. They became very curious to find out why some therapists were having such good results. And the other two therapists that get mentioned were Virginia Satir, who was a family therapist, and Milton Erickson, who was a world-class hypnotist. And he was seen, I think, by some as sort of decades ahead of his time. And some of his wizardry that now is embedded into NLP comes from those early days of understanding how he was working and the other therapists were working. And that links into something else now, why NLP also sometimes gets called the study of excellence. Because at the outset, the founders got very curious as to why was it that some therapists were having such great results with their clients, whereas others were getting very average results. And so what they tried to do is find patterns and in those patterns make them more easily learnt by somebody with a lot less experience. And so that, that is meant to be a key part of NLP in that you can model 
a model of excellence and be able to get similar results for yourself or certainly ex accelerate your good results far quicker than you would have done otherwise. And uh, that was the that is the bedrock and the basis of NLP of modeling people that are excellent and being able to get very good results. And uh, likewise, also observing in observing that behavior. That's why, you know, being a coach, if you've learned NLP, being very good at observing behavior, we call it calibrating, is so useful in that you're, you're, it's not just looking at body language, it's looking at listening to tone of voice, listening to whether or not there's a certain response to a particular stimulus, maybe if work is mentioned or family. Um, and it's that ability to really look closely at somebody else and be able to interact with them in a way that enables you to fully understand where they're coming from. That's, um, that's really interesting. Um, it also sounds um, a bit foreign to me, um, but it's also very interesting. Um, and I think at that moment, in this moment, I'd like to sort of, you know, remind you that, you know, many of our lis listeners are business people, as you know. Um, and can you just as am I. A bit, yeah, as are you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but can you kind of tell us um, how or is NLP useful for business people? And then maybe give us an example, just so, you know, maybe some of our listeners can go ahead and start looking into it a bit more, or they might want to apply it in their everyday, you know, business yeah. work. Um, that would be cool. Yeah, with pleasure. So as I said, I think people forget about the foundations. And the reason I'm stressing it is because I've used the word therapy, but actually it's how do you interact with somebody else in an effective way? And how do you help somebody else fully understand your message and you understand theirs? And this is where NLP is brilliant. It has at the core of NLP something called the meta model. And, okay. and the meta model is a series of language structures um, that when you understand them, it makes you appreciate what somebody else is saying and if there's an underlying message that's being missed. And not being missed in some kind of uh, manipulative way, it's just somebody reflects on their own experiences and talks to you, they can only talk to you from their own experience. Mm. And they may be assuming that you are experiencing things the same way. And what NLP enables you to do is to take a step back and really make sure that the two of you are on the same page. And Ooh, now we, we, we bring it back to your question, uh, how does that relate to business? Well, if, you, if you've got clients and you've got these skills, it's brilliant to make sure that you're on the same page, that you're you understand your client's expectations and you ensure that your client understands what you're going to deliver. If you've okay. got colleagues to, to avoid or to manage in a far better way um, your interaction, certainly if conflicts come up, there's all sorts of skills and techniques to do that. If you start to supervise staff, to be able to coach a staff member well, um, it's brilliant for that. It also, in being very good at understanding uh, how we process information, it enables you to look at how you're processing your own information. And so, for example, and I can talk about more about this if you want me to. Um, sure. But for some business people, it makes a lot of sense to be able to do presentations, to give talks, whether that's to in a boardroom for a client or to in a particular networking event. And for some people, giving talks is petrifying. Right. Um, in fact, there's a... Uh, <laughs> There's a book I know, um, and it's called And Death Came Third. Uh, <laughs> and yes, you heard me correctly, death, death came third. And number one, and it's people's fears. And number one and two was 
uh, presenting and networking in a, in a room of people they don't know. Oh, wow. Okay. It may be none of your listeners, or it may be some of them, but again, NLP is brilliant for building confidence, de-stressing, understanding your own state and things like this. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, and I think you, the, I mean, the main message that took from that is just understanding how we process information and how we process our own information. And um, I think that even probably would apply to sort of branding as well, like the different products and the messages that companies try to project onto, you know, potential customers and how those potential customers actually identify with it or, um, you know, relate with it or even understand it. Um, should we try and give an example just so people kind of get a better idea of what we're talking about? Yeah. So I, I think you used a nice summary there and that you talked about how people process information. And if it's useful, mm. without getting too technical, I can give a little bit more information about that first, if that would be useful. Yeah, that would be great, actually. Let's roll with it. So, great. So, so let's take that phrase, how people process information. Okay. And Scientifically, it's just a very simple fact that we process information predominantly through our five senses. Right. So you've got taste and smell, but you've obviously got the main three where people sense things, they hear things, and they see things. And so in NLP, you'll hear phrases like, is somebody visual? Are they auditory are they, when they hear things? Or are they kinesthetic? And kinesthetic is the feeling side of things. Right. Now, we, in most cases, barring disability, everybody... Um, processes information using all of their senses. Right. But people will have them in different levels. So if you know somebody that's very visual, they may always be turned out inaccurately. They're very conscious of when they get a message, they want to be able to see presentations. Um, and that would mean a lot to them. It also implies that there are certain characteristics that go along with it. Now, these are generalizations. But for example, it's understood that a visual person maybe talk more quickly than somebody that is a kinesthetic person because oh, a visual person say that again i never would have guessed that actually that's interesting to know because i think i'm a visual and, person and they talk quickly <laughs> because they process information with pictures which flash along at 100 miles an hour okay. metaphorically speaking whereas a kinesthetic person to go to the other for want of a better word the other extreme is processing information with feelings with sensing stuff and that takes time Okay, uh, yeah. And so if you, so how does this relate in general into business? If you're giving a presentation to a client, you ask me for a specific example. Imagine right. you're speaking with a client and they are actually auditory. They, they process a lot by sitting and thinking, internal processes. They may even look away from you so that they are just processing things inside their mind. We call that self-talk or internal dialogue. And if you say to them, how does it look to you? Oh, that's going to be tricky. <laughs> then, because they actually, uh, you know, you'd better off saying, how does it seem to you or how does it sound to you? Uh, or, or, you know, if you really get good at calibrating, i.e. that skill of observing someone else and taking in how they're processing the world, you could, you could even say, I sense that you are currently processing the information I've just shared. Would you like to leave me some, leave you a few moments to think that through? Do you have any questions? How is it? How does it seem for you right now? Okay, and that sometimes happens on, like, I'm just giving you an example, the Dragon's Den, for example. And, you know, say somebody pitched their business to, um, you know, the people that are on the panel or what have you um, that are looking to invest, and they maybe they've got two offers or what have you. They give them time to break away. 
and have a chat and process what they've just said, and then they go back and then they tell them, you know, what they want to design. So that's quite practical anyway. That makes me think of that. Yeah, it's that's that's similar, but perhaps a bit different. What I'm yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to stress is is that people process information differently, and right. we turn up with the way we process information, and a skilled communicator is very aware of how the other person is processing. Mm. And you want the other person, whether it's your employee, your colleague, uh, your client, to feel as comfortable as possible. Right. Okay. So that from, in the most positive mindset possible, they are making a decision as to how the interaction with you will go forwards. Well, that's brilliant, actually. So is there ever a way where, I mean, obviously, if you're chatting with somebody, do you kind of just sort of get a sense about them and you know how to deal with them, basically, to get them to do things that you want to do? <laughs> um, well, we you... Um, it's funny that you, I know you're joking, but actually yeah. that's some of, that, that is one of the really unfortunate reputations. And I think it's because of, well, there are different ways of using NLP skills. Right. And I'll give you an analogy in a moment as to how I see, how I see this. Right. Uh, um, and, and you do hear the word manipulation. And now here's my analogy. It's not the nicest of analogies in the world, but I will share it. My okay. nephew is a remarkable young man. He's actually been cooking since he was, he's been cooking properly since he was six years old. Oh, and cool. he's now 15. His dad had, had his own restaurants and things. He's grown up in a foodie house. And so if I see my nephew with a sharp knife, you can almost start salivating at the brilliant thing he's about to create. And it will be brilliant. He's very talented. Right, okay. Even though he's now only 15. You know, he's, he is very comfortable in the kitchen and loves it. However, if you give that same sharp knife to your average teenager, it's a slightly different image, especially today, what we see on the news. Oh, you're right, yeah. <laughs> NLP, NLP, unfortunately, has a reputation where it, it sort of depends who's using it because it's a whole bunch of skills that helps you understand how someone else is processing things. Mm. Uh, it does allow you to have some kind of influence when you develop what's called rapport. Uh, yeah. If you're in rapport with somebody else, then you have what's called an unconscious influence on that person, and they on you. Right, um, yeah. And as long as you're doing things with a positive intention, then it's a wonderful skill set. Obviously, there are some elements, and there'll be some people that want to use these things in a, with a lack of integrity. I'm right, sure that's yeah. none of your listeners, and it's certainly not you or I, but it is worth at least acknowledging that in the wrong hands, these skills are, can be unpleasant, I suppose. Yeah, it sounds like it, obviously, you know, going back to chatting about a knife or what have you. So an example of that be sort of in branding or what have you. So companies selling us something and, you know, they feel that they really understand somebody or what have you and it makes it easier for them to sell or influence clients or what have you. Um, is that what you mean? Well, that, I suppose a brand is, it's you're putting a brand out there for the public to see. And there's, it's, I guess it's very much a one-way dialogue. What right. I'm talking about, I suppose, more is that with, if you enhance your communication skills, okay. be that for one-to-one -one communication, one-to-many coaching or presenting, then it enables you to have the confidence to really ensure that, your, that the conversation with your clients, colleagues, etc., progresses in a way that you would want it to. 
and it, it gives you the skill set to be able to assess what's going on at the time. So if you're presenting to a client, let's keep it more relevant to your audience that they're going to be yeah. talking to their client. Okay, it just yeah. gives you a skill set that allows you to re recognize the responses in your client if they are following what's going on, if they're on the same page as you, and to enable you to use these communication skills, the language structure and things like this, mm. uh, that helps bring the message back to the way your client will understand it. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you're selling consulting services like I do sometimes, I could make sure I'm on the same page, but yeah. it may transpire that I'm not the right person for what they need to do right now, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But at least, at least I'm comfortable that the client are assessing things sort of on an even keel with me. We both know that yeah. I can do X, Y, and Z. They need X, Y, Z, but actually they also need M, N, and O, and P, and I can't deliver that, and that's fine. Right, yeah, and that's almost like the first stage of a relationship. So you kind of both understand each other really well, and then it can be easier to move things along, so to speak. And it might not, you might not be their cup of tea in regards to what they're asking for. Um, but you at least are on the same level of understanding, which is brilliant. <laughs> you know what? You've just you've touched on a really fun exercise that the brave people that are listening could try to do. If you've got somebody close okay. to you, if you've got somebody close to you in your life, it can be, I, I suppose, the, the most risky and fun element would be if you've got a partner, if you've got a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, um, uh and you take a word that you both fully understand, at least you think you both fully understand, okay. and let's call this word love. Okay, and if yeah, you say to this other, the other person, let's both take a piece of pen and paper and write down in behaviours, behaviours, uh, what love means to us, and let's write six different things. Okay. And if you do it totally separately and then compare, you might get some surprises. And why this is fun, because it should be fun if, if it is your other half, then fine. If it's a very dear friend, then maybe you'll do it on the word friendship. But we right, call okay. this a complex equivalence. What's your complex equivalence for the word love? Now, that's a fun exercise. Imagine that everything you say to your clients, your colleagues, is room for, I mean, everything, many things, there is room for interpretation. And so what you don't know, unless you're describing things in clear outputs or behaviors, Right. Then you are then you are effectively guessing. You are guessing what the other person is going to interpret your words as. Hmm. And that for me, when I first learned that, I learned it from. Uh, I heard those words from Frank Kuzelik. I went to uh, okay. to Russia to learn. Uh, I told you I learned from two of the three founders, and I. Right. Yeah. I, I, when I trained with Frank Kuzelik, I went to St. Petersburg, and I just remember him saying that for the first time. And he said, you know, and unless you are describing things in behaviours, you are guessing. And when he, I really sat and thought about that, and I thought, that's, often we'll both be guessing the same way. And obviously, intuition and experience means that often you'll be on the same page. But sometimes when there's a breakdown in communication, I think it really comes back to this. How yeah. did someone interpret uh, an action compared to how I interpreted it? And I can give you a really light, this isn't a business example, yeah. though there'll be plenty of business examples. I give you a very fun, real personal experience, literally from uh, three, four days ago. Oh, wow. My so very half, new and relevant. <laughs> my, my other half was cooking. She's a brilliant cook, I'm pleased to say. And I should say that on there as well. <laughs> please, please watch the, uh, the dish for me. Um, and I, I said, sure, of course. So, and she said, and, uh, you know, I said, what do you mean by wish, watch it? She said, well, just make sure things aren't burning. 
and you know okay. take the wooden spoon down. so I lifted up the lid I scraped the it was a fish dish I, I, I moved the uh, contents around <laughs> and every now and again I watched the dish that was my complex equivalence for what she meant Right, she yeah. literally meant, but what she meant was, and there was an incident which clarified this. <laughs> she, <laughs> literally, she literally meant stand there, watch it every second for the next ten minutes until it until the timer goes off, and if X Y Z happens, then do X Y Z. Uh, okay. Now, if you translate that in, that's a light-hearted example. We moved past it very quickly. The dish was still wonderful, but it, there was a bit of a mess on the gas stove. If you okay, take sorry. that example, yeah. <laughs> if you take that example and translate it into work, please get me a report by Wednesday. Sure, <laughs> I'll get you a report by Wednesday. What does a report mean? Uh, if you, if, you know, any interaction you're having with a client, with a colleague, what is the complex equivalence for the terms you're saying? And I suppose, you know, many of your people will be experienced, and they'll go, "Well, of course, you measure outputs and get very clear." On what the outputs are and that's great but sometimes right. it gets missed and that's when problems start to happen right yeah so it's almost like a miscommunication because you're on different levels of understanding and, and process the information differently <laughs> exactly I like that kitchen example I think I I mean I can relate to that with my husband when he asked me to look after something I get too involved and he didn't actually want that he just wanted me to you know look after it like <laughs> So that actually makes it quite relatable. Um, so moving forward, so obviously, you know, we now know people um, process information differently and um, in sort of NLP is a way to better understand how we process information. Um, what would be your best piece of advice for someone in business, either starting out or running their own business or working in business? Um, sort of, can they apply any NLP sort of techniques in the work that they do um, so information is processed and understood more clearly. Um, any advice in that area? Obviously, we talked yeah, about presentations. Um, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a brilliant question. I, as, as an ad hoc piece of advice for somebody just to start applying it, that's a difficult one. Right, I would yeah. just say the fact that you often, my, this is my view, that often when okay. you become aware of something for the first time, you've already made a step in the right direction. Okay. If you, yeah. if you, for me, if you just remember one thing, it is that idea of complex equivalence. When you're giving instructions or asking a client or sending an email, because remember, you cannot, for example, a lot of things are done digitally now, so sending right. emails or even WhatsApp exchanges even for work, and you never know in what tone something is read, right. uh, what images somebody creates by receiving your message and how it's going to make them feel. And if you just become aware that people process things differently to you, even if your closest friend or your other half, we all, it's impossible. I think it's literally impossible that we process things exactly the same way. And if you right, put that into yeah. the complexity of a new relationship at work, uh, a new client, a new exchange of information, if you take a step back and think about how is it possible that, that my words could be interpreted, and you right. think about that and maybe go in to add a bit more detail and define things, I think that can help people a lot. I think it's worth remembering that we're in control of our own feelings as well, which is very different. This is, this is about personal state management. You talked about mindset at the right. start. And NLP is fantastic for really understanding that things are done in different states. And a state is effectively, you know, what mood are you in? 
And there are wonderful tools and techniques around controlling your own state to make sure that you're thinking clearly, that you're de-stressed, that you build up your confidence. Um, and for example, if we were to get, would you like an example on how somebody can manage their state with regards to, say, if they're nervous about meeting a client? Yeah, that would be brilliant, actually, because I know a lot of startups, um, I think we've mentioned networking as well, like if they're new to networking, they're a bit nervous about it, or if they have a new client, and it's a client that they definitely need to sort of perform really well in front of or try and get on their side, um, they can find that really stressful. So if you could give some examples, that would be absolutely brilliant. Go for it. The first thing I'm going to do is you said about nervous and stressful, and there's a complex equivalence. So the first thing your listeners want to do is say, what does that really mean for me? Everyone throws away around these words like they're stressed, they're this, they're that. What does that mean for the person? If I was to be that person, how are they being stressed? Are they feeling it in their tummy? Does their heartbeat race really quickly? Uh, is there a lot of internal dialogue that they're saying they're not good enough, they're not that enough, they're not this enough? Okay. And if it's the latter, which is often the case, there's some kind of internal dialogue that makes tells them that it's time to be nervous, as silly as that sounds, but as a process person, I want to understand what it is that they do that allows them to be nervous or stressed. And I would, I would ask, this is very difficult to do just by listening and without a coach, but yeah. I think to keep it simple, what I would suggest somebody does is ask themselves, where does that come from? When did I first tell myself that I am XYZ? And really think back, because in my experience of the coaching is what you find is that these, and let's call them limiting beliefs. Right, okay. These yeah. limiting beliefs don't, didn't start yesterday. They didn't start last week. It didn't even start last year. Often it will go back to something either at school or with parents or an early experience with a sibling. And that got a response at that time. Here's, here's a really simple example. I've coached a few people that were nervous about talking in public. Okay, and what yeah. did it go back to? That basically, when they were at school and they read for the first time, they were criticized by their teacher, one way or another. Some things really horrible, some things they were just left very embarrassed. And so at that time, they learned, well, that's a horrible experience. This gets, I mean, they didn't process it like this, but unconsciously, yeah. they get an internal response that means that uh, it doesn't feel very nice. And that happened at that time, then the next time it happens, they avoid talking because they get the same feeling. Mm. And suddenly they forget, you know, we go forward months and years and you forget why and what started it. But you just know that when you go to speak in public, you're really nervous. And, right. if you to, and what can work brilliantly is if you really do remember when it started, you know, at the time it served you well because you were small, you didn't have the resources. For now, it's 10, 5, 10, 15, 20, 40 years later, and you're still nervous to stand up and talk about what you're good at, then it's a question of saying, what served me all those years ago doesn't need to serve me the same way today. And obviously, that's just the, the theory in a, in a quick summary. And you could, but you could be coached through this um, really successfully, sometimes very quickly, sometimes it takes a few sessions. But anybody can take a new view on their mindset uh, so that they can be in a state of confidence when they go to do whatever it is they need to go and do. Oh, I like that, actually. So basically, we only know what we experience, don't we? And obviously, 
in that situation, you know, public speaking brought out some sort of feelings that tied back to childhood or what have you. And I think that's probably something that pops up with entrepreneurs as well is they have those sort of limiting beliefs, um, whatever it might be, whatever is holding them back for achieving the results that ideally they would like to achieve. There might be something that is holding them back. And it sounds like kind of working through those limiting beliefs and sort of identifying what experience has caused that, they can move forward with a bit of coaching and sort of reach their goals um, yeah. you know, as they move along. Um, and sometimes, it, like you said, it might even come from the childhood experience, which is way back, yeah. but you can get past it. So that Absolutely. kind of tells me, so that sort of tells me that someone, you know, has a, had a really challenging life or they've been through X number of situations, they can be successful. Um, you know, with a bit of coaching and just identifying some of those situations. Like if you, you know, if you've had a troubled life or something is holding you back, don't let it, don't let it get in the way of where you are now because, you know, you can be successful once you work through those limiting beliefs. Um, and well, it's fair to say that some people that have had a, that have had a troubled life, to use uh, that phrase, whatever that yeah. means for your listeners. Yeah. Actually, for some people, that's the biggest motivator. Right, yeah, yeah. But for some people, it will propel them forwards, and for, for others, it will hold them back. And remember, yeah. we went into a lot of detail about how we process information. This is very relevant to this because with the right. tools and techniques from NLP, you can make some changes with how people hold the information. And that, if you're hearing this for the first time, it can stay, sound very strange, but we hold, yeah. we all have experiences. Our mind remembers things, and how do we remember them? We either remember them with sounds, with smells, with tastes, with a feeling. Uh, with an image, and with NLP, there are tools and techniques to change that so that it's if something in the past, how you've held it in the past, is still showing up today, you make changes today so that you've got a much brighter future. Uh, and that's easy to say, not always so easy to do, but there certainly are tools, techniques that are well tested uh, that enable somebody to move forwards in a much more positive way with a much stronger mindset. Uh, which enables them to build the business that they want to build. Right, right. And I mean, this is actually quite fascinating. And I think my interpretation of what NLP was was a bit different before we started this um, chat. So if um, if listeners wanted to kind of learn more about NLP and kind of dig a bit deeper, um, how could they go about doing that um, just to sort of help them, you know, grow their business or, you know, try and sort of deal with their limiting beliefs, figure out what they are, you know, learn how to process and understand information and other people. How could they do that and sort of help them, you know, progress their business along? Well, uh, certainly it's it's popular enough now that, I mean, it isn't a very technical answer, but if you enter yeah. NLP or the full title Neuro Linguistic Programming on any search engine, you will find many resources. Okay, yeah. uh, there are many articles written if you want to learn more about it. There are many books that you can grab hold of. Um, some of the old classics are actually out of print, written by the founders, but they're still available. Or there's many a book written on the different um, different elements of NLP for day-to-day -day life. I think the most prolific author of the three founders, well, in fact, not I think I know, is uh, Richard Bandler. He's written a lot of books. Uh, but so you'll find lots of courses online. Me personally, I'm starting to train people in NLP. Okay. Uh, and I obviously do one-to-one -one coaching, which is, you know, I guess I use my NLP and other coaching skills to help people move forwards. And 
if somebody wants to read, I've written some articles. If they want to see that from me personally, then it's at NLP and then a dash impact.com. I think even if they just enter NLP impact.com, it reroutes to the NLP dash impact.com. Uh, okay. I've written some articles there I've, and people can contact me through that with pleasure. If they, and I'm even happy that if, if somebody thinks they found a good course and wants to ask me, I'm, I have no problem with that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that would be great, actually, because um, it is a fascinating um, sort of, you know, sort of thing or topic, I guess you could say, and, and people might, you know, as they're sitting listening to us, they might realize that they have limiting beliefs or things that are holding them back. Um, you know, they might process different information differently than, say, some of their clients do or what have you, and they kind of want to give them the same wavelength, so to speak, or on the same page um, to progress things and move things along. Um, and um, I think this could be, you know, really helpful for our startups that we work with and also other people that are thinking about starting up. Um, it could be even something that's holding them back to starting their own business. They might have an idea. It's a brilliant idea. They've worked it all out, but they don't have the confidence to move forward and go ahead and start their own business. Um, obviously, something yeah. is holding them back. NLP could help them. I'm once again using a, a coach. And I'll, I'm very aware that when I say this, it makes it sound like it's a sales pitch, and it isn't. Okay. There are many coaches you can turn to. Yes, I do one-to-one -one coaching, and I happen to think I'm quite good at it, and I understand business things very well. But it is, you know, if you think of your favorites, I love sports. I've always loved sports. That's not everybody's cup of tea, but most people would have heard of some top sports people. I don't know a single one that doesn't have a coach, and it's interesting that we think of things with business uh, differently, whereas... You know, okay. you can you can take a coach for one hour a month and set out some really clear goals. They hold you to account. Obviously, you can have them more frequent every couple of weeks, once a week, or an hour. It's not generally it's not cheap if it's an experienced coach, but boy oh boy, is it effective! It's right, someone yeah. that holds you to account. It's uh, hopefully if they're skilled in NLP or something similar, they can help you with your any doubts and limiting beliefs and 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 uh, to move things forwards. And it, and it is, you know, a very useful process to go through. And, you know, and maybe you can do it as a uh, a quid pro quo with a friend. Just you you coach each other every other week. Um, yeah. But it's just you know, there's a lot to be said for having some kind of sounding board as you go through this business journey. And I mean, that's that's really true. I think oftentimes entrepreneurs feel alone. Um, and they're kind of going at things and probably they're, you know, there's many times when they want to give up or what have you, you know, from different situations or scenarios or things that are going on or maybe they think the business is progressing. I mean, it could be a million different things, obviously, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, well, there's a million different things that need doing. Um, but there might be something that is kind of pulling them back. And I think you're right in regards to, you know, having a standing board. Um, and also someone that they can just sort of chat about what they're working on and, you know, someone just asking them the right questions to kind of keep them in the same path. And obviously, when it comes to coaching, mentoring, whatever it might be, um, accountability is key. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you're if you're going on a diet and you're trying to lose weight and you say, oh, yeah, I've not lost weight, but, you, you know, you've eaten loads of food that you shouldn't have throughout the week or what have you. And you're going at it alone and, and you're not keeping to account, you know, obviously you can tell on the scales, you know, the next week or what have you. Um, so it's very, very relatable, I think, um, just having someone at the standing board, someone that can coach you through things such as limiting beliefs 
and then also hold you, you know, keep you accountable. Um, uh, yeah, that's wonderful, Ian. Um, so, I mean, we've left our listeners today with lots of different opportunities to look into NLP, how to explore a bit more, and how to understand, um, learning more about understanding information and how to go about processing it or how people process it, um, whether it's yourselves or other people. And um, we've kind of given them a good idea about, you know, five, the five senses apply to all sorts of different things when people are processing information. And just be aware about that, um, you know, if you're sending an email or if you're talking to somebody, just kind of be aware of, of what how the other person is processing that information and sort of tailor it to their needs if you can, can figure it out. I think that sums up the chat quite well. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, just remember that phrase, complex equivalence. What are you saying? It's, it's, you know, it's quite sophisticated to, strike, to start to try to think about how are they see, hearing, and feeling. It's quite difficult to suddenly start doing that. But the idea of complex right, yeah. equivalence, if you remember nothing else, is how else could this be interpreted? How may the, right. When I say I'm going to deliver a report, what does that mean for them and what does that mean for, for me? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so com complex equivalence. Keep that on the radar. How do people, um, you know, what? How do people process that, um, and what does that mean to them? And on that note, we're going to wrap it up, everyone. Um, so if you do have any further questions, you can get in touch with Ian. Ian, can you just remind everyone um, what your website is again? Uh, NLPimpact.com. There's a dash between the NLP and Impact, but in any case, uh, if you just enter NLPimpact.com, it reroutes to to my website. Yeah, and I would say that's a good starting ground for people that are looking to learn more about NLP and how they can apply it in business. And obviously, if they have any questions, they can also just go onto your website and ask you a question. Does that sound all right? With pleasure. Cool, cool. Well, thanks for um, giving us um, this sort of chat and sort of having a conversation with us today about NLP and what it is and how it applies to business. Um, definitely enjoy that and look forward to hearing from people on how they you know, go about learning more about it or possibly applying it into their business. Thanks so much, Ian. Speak with you soon. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>